Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Ill-Informed Insight. Today I'm joined by Tim. Hello everybody, nice to be here. And on today's show, we question the legitimacy of a so-called government of national unity. got a clip of caroline lucas on uh, victoria derbyshire she's caroline lucas oh the green party leader their only mp i mean any turd that put a green party rosette on could get elected in brighton and hove next we need an emergency cabinet not to fight a brexit war but to work for reconciliation and i believe this should be a cabinet of women Those are the words of the Green Party MP, Caroline Lucas, who's invited 10 female politicians from all parties to join her in forming an emergency cabinet to stop a no-deal Brexit. Included in the women she's invited are the Shadow Foreign Secretary, Emily Thornbury, Liberal Democrat leader, Joe Swinson, Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. Nicola Sturgeon to be in the UK Parliament cabinet. Yeah, the, 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 the unity... She's like, she doesn't want to be unified. <laughs> secessionist. Yeah, we're going to have a secessionist in the cabinet. Right. Okay. Of keep, our government of yeah, national keep, unity. Keep going. Keep going. There's even more highlights. Anna Subri changes parties more often than I change my socks. Like, anytime someone mentions Anna Subri's name, it has to be disgraced Anna Subri. Or, I don't know, have make, make, you, you'd have to make some sort of reference that she got dumped by Chucker. Punished Subri. So... Caroline Lucas's cabinet, Emily Thornbury, Joe Swinson, Nicholas Sturgeon. Justine Greening, the SNP's Kirsty Blackman, Liz Savile-Roberts of Plaid Cymru, Change UK's Anna Subri and the independent MP Heidi Allen, formerly a Conservative. Now, her cabinet of women would step in were Boris Johnson to lose a vote of no confidence in order to stop a no-deal Brexit. I am deeply, deeply concerned about the prospects of a no deal. I think it would be a disaster for the country, not just economically, but I think in terms of our standing in the world, in terms of our influence on the global stage, in terms of our security, in terms of our environment. So it seems to me that this is a really, really damaging prospect and is one that is entirely unnecessary if we were able to get out of our tribal bunkers and and really think with, with some fresh thinking here. And that's what my proposal is about. Which involves only women. And you say in your open letter to these high profile women, I believe women have shown they can bring a different perspective to crises, are able to reach out to those they disagree with and cooperate to find solutions. Swap the word women for men and you would say that was sexist. I'm talking about my own experience, and I appreciate it's a generalization, but in my experience, I have found that women have generally been more able to put aside tribal concerns. And- yeah, just because just you say, in my experience, like just because you preface it with that doesn't make it any less sexist. Like, in my experience, women are awful, but, but if I just went, all women are awful... That's still a fucking sexist remark. Well, I'm just, I'm just referring to what she said and said, you know, I'm trying, I'm scanning the pages of history, the annals of time in my mind, going over events and tribal disagreements, like she's spoken of wars and stuff. And I'm just thinking of all those famous times, groups of women, just women have banded together and solved the problem. Saved the day. Yeah. I'm, my brain is hurting. I'm think, I can't think of one. Honestly, I think of uh, the women's movement and it's just like, which encompasses feminism and all sort of like women's liberation groups. It's a history of factionalism. Do you know what I mean? It's like they had schisms over every single issue. Women, you'll get like groups of women and there'll be like a a friendship group, but like half of them will 
secretly hate each other and will bitch about each other behind their back. I'm sorry, that's not a sexist thing to say. That's that's a, a female trait. We have sisters. And it's I can't imagine, apart from the fact that she's giving like a three-year-old argument that has already been lost, where like, oh, it's going to be really damaging for us on the world stage, blah, blah, blah. We've had that argument over and over. We've, we've moved past that. Just wanting- have, we, have we moved past that? The way she was talking, it, it was like autonomous. I, keep, I, was, I mentioned to you something earlier today, just a graphic of something called the Kubler-Ross cycle, which is basically the five stages of grief, anger, denial, acceptance, resolution. I'm not, I don't know what they oh, are. Bartering, one of them yeah, is bartering. like trying to... All these remain types, they, they seem sort of stuck on between stage two and stage three, which is like denial, flat out denial of reality or the sort of bargaining bit where it's like, oh yeah, maybe we can sort of change it. It's happened. Even I could say it's been a terrible accident. This is terrible mortal blow to our country. But it's happened. We have to accept it and move on. <laughs> you know, but apart from the fact, just saying all women is, is incredibly sexist. But it's almost like, how, how did no one stop her? What, what sort of systems do they have in place? The, in the Green Party? In the Green Party. They're notorious for being lunatics. Yeah, so, so what sort of governmental mechanism do you want in place where there's no sort of checks and balances? There's no one standing behind the Prime Minister. So she, say she became Prime Minister. Well, this there's is... no one to stop her coming out with that sort of shit. But you say checks and balances... That's what Caroline Lucas would say. This is this. It's this is like no, following no. a vote of no confidence. I know. I, I was just Normally, think- you would only have a vote of no confidence at like in a time of war, yeah. like a genuine actual but crisis. No, no. But I'm thinking of something much more simple of that. Why wasn't there just someone around just to, just to gently tug on her sleeve and say, "Listen, do you know because what? Because she's green. That's a really bad idea. Like if you say that on the news, everyone will think you're a fucking nutcase." Don't say that. It's the Greens. They thought Natalie Bennett was a good idea. Do you think the BBC just like are secretly laughing into their their sleeves saying, we've just given the Greens enough rope to hang themselves again and it makes good good TV and we get a few hits. Um, Let her talk. No, don't want to go too much on the side, but do you know who Yasmin Ali Barber Brown is? Alibi Brown, yeah. She's a fucking idiot, bro. But I was talking to like, (laughs) I was talking to someone who was like an assistant producer at BBC Current Affairs Programming. Yeah. And I was just like, listen, I know I'm being a dick here, right, but... Why the fuck do you have Yasmin on so much? Like, she's on almost every current affairs program. I was like, she's never got anything interesting or insightful to say. All she does is she just jabs her finger at people, and that's it. And this producer girl was like, yeah, basically, some guests we have on because we know the audience likes to laugh and point their fingers at them and, like, go on social media and look at this dickhead on this TV show, hashtag whatever the name of the TV show is. So it's like, yeah, the BBC will have some people on who are, it's purely just... Back in the day, it was it would be, like, someone to throw your beer can at, right. at the television screen, yeah. but you can't do that anymore. It would break the TV. But I, I, I can't imagine someone from Labour or the Liberals or the Conservatives just coming out with a statement like that without having like, their number two, just tapping them on the shoulder and going... Don't, don't say that. That's just that's just completely stupid. <laughs> well, what what Caroline Lucas is proposing is called a government of national unity, or like alternatively, national unity government. Nug. Completely made up of women. <laughs> Forget that bit. That that the whole just like oh cabinet full of women. That was just. A, I might do an episode on like uh, just how ridiculously fucking easy it is to pander to Western women right now. Like they fall for. They're the one of the most gullible demographics out there at the moment, and that's what that is. Oh yeah, they. It's going to be a cabinet full of women. That's like she's just pandering. 
to a, a fashionable idiocy, the same kind of fashionable idiocy that says anyone who criticizes Greta Thunberg must be jealous. Really? Jealous of a 16-year-old yeah, autistic okay. girl? Okay. Hang on, hang on. We can't be too, too harsh or one-sided, because to be fair that way of thinking i can say this justifiably that that they've got a kinder way of thinking than men it's a veneer i know but no they they do generally make kinder decisions than men women do you know what i mean they're more nurturing basically women are nicer that's why that's a veneer and every fucking man knows it women can be just as cruel well they can be just as vicious just as callous they can be very survivalistic basically that whole like female government thing like ignore that that's a distraction yeah that's just they're trying to they're trying to distract us the illuminati but that's just (laughs) to try to um that's to convince fashionable idiots to get on board with it yeah Right, but what she's really proposing here is, I think the first person I saw put forward this idea was Polly Toynbee, Toynbee of The Guardian, that w- what the UK needs is a government of national unity, right? And a government of national unity, normally you would get one of those in a time of war or like uh, the great, like the last time I think there was one was either World War II or the Great Depression era, like a real genuine fucking crisis where the government's stuck and doesn't know what to do and the cabinet's split and they don't know what to do. Yeah, it's or, like, that's or, not the scenario it, we're in. Or if they've all been like wiped out in some sort of disaster. There's been a massive forest fire and it's fucked everything, a giant flood. And, no, there's nothing like that going on. And we already have a government that's been put in place from the last general election. You know, it seems like people have tried to change democracy in their minds where they think it's like America where you vote for a president. And it's not. We've, we've, we've got a party installed through our system. And, you know, they've elected a new leader. We, we, don't, we don't get to elect the leader of the party who... Only if, you're a, part, if yeah. you're a member of the party. That's, yeah. that's why... And it's... people are saying that's like something that we need to, like, have a coup to change. <laughs> it's not a coup. What she's proposing is not illegal like a coup would be but the argument in favor of why we need to have a a vote of no confidence and why like it's actually it warrants why this crisis brexit crisis actually warrants a government of national unity i'm not convinced in the slightest it's the last ditch attempt for them to stop brexit and and but but in talking in terms of legality a coup is legal if it succeeds (laughs) do you understand so like no you can you can retroactively um yeah, but we're talking put, it, like, put things right again. We're talking like sort of South American level politics now. Banana republics, man. And yeah. you know, we don't want to. We don't want to go there. We've been there probably in hundreds of years ago. We don't want to go back yeah. to that. Shit, like the so. situation is not nearly as bad as like mid nineties Balkans. Nothing like it. Yeah, I think I agree with you totally. It's it's desperate. I think they know every uh, hardcore Remainer in Parliament knows there's only two possible outcomes at the moment legally. Either Theresa May's checkers proposal or no deal. Which is what is, what is the law currently, unless they change the law before then. Legally, we're leaving yeah, it's the It's the legal default. Yeah. But um, I, w- I wouldn't put it past Boris to like, uh, 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 I've, uh, I've uh, left the papers at home, uh, the dogs ate it. So like, I wouldn't put it past Boris to, line t- to try and delay it by like a day or two. But even that would be unacceptable. We have to, we have to just go, walk out the door, just turn around now. Because we're not welcome anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, obviously it's... She said at the beginning, this is contingent on a vote of no confidence in Boris Johnson. But one of one of the um, aspects of like why you would have a government of national unity is that the cabinet, the current incumbent government cabinet, is in this like complete mess, and they like they're completely divided on what to do. But that's not the case here. Boris's cabinet is, you know, seemingly resolute on um, handpicked, having no deal. Yeah, 
do you think it's a do you think that's genuine though do you think they really do want no deal or they're just they're trying to like i've read there's a theory that boris is basically bluffing he's trying to get the eu back to negotiation table by bigging up no deal that's the thing about boris he's always got this wiggle room hasn't he so i wouldn't put it past him and it is it is a worry but i think they'd have to change the law or the eu would have to have some massive concession um which they're resolutely not going to happen apparently germany there was some leaked memo and you always think about these leaked memos if they're leaked on purpose but apparently the german government is pretty much accepted that it's going to be no deal and they're sort of you know organizing themselves in that direction just accepting reality in a very teutonic way well germany's done what it did with um greece it's set up all of its financial institutions in such a way whereas like the uk leaving the eu is going to financially hurt the eu as a whole but it's not going to hurt germany so germany doesn't really give a shit if britain leaves or not Mm. It's amazing how swiftly this um, government and national unity idea just took hold. And like Europhiles, it's like they're convinced that this is definitely going to happen. Like this is definitely going to be the outcome. Kubler-Ross cycle, isn't it? They're still at stage two denial. It's There's no guarantee of this. There's no good. Like they tried this, um, the no confidence thing with Theresa May last year, didn't they? Like November, December kind of time. And it failed then. Yeah, they've been what trying if it, it fails now? They've been what? trying it since fucking Gina Miller. And But the, the interesting thing, the way it's worked out, it's like how nearly all of these assholes trying to reverse it now a lot of them still voted to put article 50 through yeah to trigger it yeah and now they're saying well you know the circumstances have changed you know um they haven't <laughs> yeah but we had no idea what we were doing then we don't know what we're doing now i think i think boris is bluffing i, like I don't think he really wants to leave without a deal i think he'd prefer to leave with a deal but the eu are playing hardball the thing that i find interesting is to obviously have a government of national unity there would have to be another general election no it's you have a vote of no confidence what and then so we wouldn't even get but, a say in it but my understanding that's, yeah the public wouldn't be involved at all that's terrible my understanding is i think the Jeremy, public would get themselves involved <laughs> if you know what i mean now nah, britain's a british people are so passive now but my understanding is only jeremy corbyn has the right to go to the queen and say i'm i want to form a government because he is leader of the opposition yeah which is fucking something crazy in itself because he's he's never been he's never been a minister of anything he's never been a, a shadow minister of anything he's always been a backbencher and he literally leapfrogged across like four benches from the back bench to the front bench as like a joke as like a meme where like basically if you if you pay three pounds you could like have like a crazy grandpa as the leader of the Labour Party he it was, was like a joke they he let was literally vote. he was literally an afterthought. Yeah. Of, oh wait, yeah. we we yeah. should really have a socialist involved in this yeah. as as like a, a formality of like, of course he's not going to win, yeah. but he did win, and because of that, he's leading the opposition. So it's down to him to walk up to Buckingham Palace one day of his own volition to literally go up to Buckingham Palace and say, you know, Queen, I want to challenge the government because there has to be a vote of no confidence, confidence. first. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which isn't guaranteed. I think it will happen, but I don't think it's guaranteed that Boris will actually lose it. When it comes down to it, pure sort of binary of math- mathematics, and you, you have to just look at the House of Commons and think, who wants to stay in the EU? Who wants to leave the EU? Now, unfortunately, in the House of Commons, if you if you look at that schematic, there'd be more people who want to stay in the EU. So they, if, if they wanted, if the only way for us to stay in, in the EU is to have a vote of no confidence, then 
they could win that vote of no confidence. They'd be buying into political system more than their own country. And in like, how can they not think they'd be completely wiped out at the next general election? That's that's the what? thing. They, how arrogant do they think they are that they're, they're still going to be voted for if they do something so completely undemocratic? Well, I said at the beginning, near the beginning, uh, I think the first person who floated this GNU idea was Polly Toynbee. The person who actually sort of popularised it and got it out there was um, Lib Dem leader Joe Swinson. Although Joe Swinson made a point of saying she doesn't think Jeremy Corbyn could actually form a consensus in the House of Commons. So he can't be the leader of this national unity government, but he's the leader of the official opposition. So if not him, who else has a a claim to the throne, if you will? Like uh, Caroline Lucas threw out Harriet Harman. Or someone, I think she also suggested Ken, Ken Clark as well. Yeah, because everyone's shat on Harriet Harman. And Ken Clark is a devoted Europhile. Um, the grandfather of the house, the eldest MP. Well respected. So I can understand that he's been put forward because of that, because like Labour people like him as well as Tories. But Tom, it's a disaster because people just keep forgetting. Like I talk about very simple binary things like how many people in the House of Commons want to stay in the EU versus how many want to leave. But we were asked a very simple binary question, you know, leave or remain, not deal. The deal didn't come into it. And maybe that was, you know, people say that's a really stupid, dumb thing that they did, that it was such a simple question to ask simple people. But maybe they did that on purpose because they knew that if they lost, because they are such a shittily question and didn't talk about deals and options, they knew there'd be like a solid argument. I think they theorised um, the simpler the question in terms of making it just leave or remain, favours remain. They're obviously project fear. Yeah, but also... Because like, it worked in Scotland. Yeah. They scared the shit out of the Scottish into voting to stay part of the union. They tried it again, didn't work. I don't know. It's all very murky. And, it, you know, there, there was there was quite a big... You know, there was some margin, you know, in, in the percentages. It wasn't like 51 versus 49. It was 52. Yeah. Um, it was close. We've got to give them that. But then I just don't trust the EU. I, I don't even trust the voting system in this country that much. You know, I wouldn't put it past them to try and fake, fake an election. The EU. I think... It, there's so much at stake. It's such a massive thing. People, but people made their decision. They have to do it, and it's so wrong not to. I'm sorry. Whichever side of the fence you are, it, it was a fair answer to a question. It seems like all of this is just really farcical from head to toe. Like just the idea that we need a national unity government. And we've got a cabinet that's all on the same page. We've got a government that was elected on a pro-Brexit manifesto. We've got an official opposition that was elected on a pro-Brexit manifesto. Yeah, but it's all these like, it's like, but it's wrong. It's inverted. It's upside down. It's not the way politics work. They're telling us what they think instead of us telling them what we think. Which is how it worked before the EU referendum. But they're saying like all these experts are saying it's going to be a disaster. I saw a really cool video the other day where someone had edited together all these things George Osborne had said before the referendum. Yeah. Saying the day, if if we vote to leave, literally the day after that result of that oh, vote comes economic out. Economic crash. There'll be an economic crash, we new budget, a million job losses. The pound would sink, which did eventually happen. But Yeah, but fuck that. The markets go up and down. When it comes to things like jobs, jobs have actually gone up and in, in general things have actually been performing better than Europe. So like, it's, it's yeah. all bollocks. Even if the best mathematician in the world and the best e- economist in the world got together and said, we think it's a bad idea and yeah. there'll be an economic crash. That wouldn't sway you at all. And- I don't care. I'm willing to, to take a hit for, for for sovereignty, personal sovereignty even, you know, fuck it. I don't know, I wouldn't... It's all about... I wouldn't want another 2007, 2008. But do you see how it's upside down? It's about people telling us how we should think. 
as opposed to what we think. But from their point of view, from Caroline Lucas's point of view, that's how it worked for 40 years. They told the public what to think. Like, they basically uh, corralled the public and, like, browbeat them into accepting multiculturalism. We know what's best for you. Yeah, elitism. But it's like, we. Who's we? Fuck off. Rich people. Us. Rich. The rich. The majority, for God's sake. You know, think about Brexit. It's it's, it's fascinating because it's, it's brought up much bigger issues even than just, you know, leaving an economic block that's, you know, now a political block. Well, what happened to um the, the need, the importance of having a public mandate? Boris Johnson was attacked for two months for lacking a public mandate. And now it's like, oh, we're just we're going to have this remain cabinet. Like, well, hold on. Where's the mandate yeah. for the? Where, what happened there? We're getting off topic, or I'm getting off my personal topic of fucking slashing into Corbyn because everyone's saying, "Oh, Boris, what a fucking buffoon!" You know, we can't have this guy as prime minister. We've got no confidence in him because <laughs> it's Boris Johnson. We'd rather have Jeremy Corbyn, Citizen Smith. What the fuck? Someone who's never like run a bath, let alone a company. This might be bullshit, but I saw a stat saying more people wanted Gary Lineker to run the country than Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, like, half of Labour doesn't want Jeremy Corbyn to be Prime Minister. And and you know Corbyn, the the minute he got the keys to number 10, he'd lock the door, he'd be like Maduro, he'd have, like, (laughs) you know, the troops around, and he'd cling on to to the bitter end. You know, Labour talked about this policy today that sounded really good on the surface about any shop on the high street that's been closed more than 12 months, they'll reclaim, they'll hand it back to the community, people can do startups. The state state would take ownership of it. Yeah. Just... So they're literally talking about... So it sounds good on surface. And not pay, not pay the owner any God, sort of... God knows. They, it's not bit, remunerate them at all. But it's, it's that basic communist thing of seizing property. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's, it's terrifying. They have John McDonnell, I remember, a couple of years ago, came out with something similar to that. And it was like, what... I remember the reaction from the city was like, okay, we need to uh, prepare now for a John McDonnell economy... Like we need to prepare for John McDonald to walk into number 11. So let's move all our financial assets overseas. Let's stop investing in any UK companies and move that over to Ireland, to America, to Germany, whatever. Yeah, that was disastrous. He, even just him talking about... That, that was it. They were talking about requisitioning private properties, uh, homes, like flats, and giving them to the homeless or something like that. Which on the surface sounds like a, a nice, sounds nice, kind thing to do, but... It's terrible, really, because it's basically a much stronger force than you taking something from you, and you've got no recourse to defend yourself. If they were compensated in some way, but they were just like, no, we're not going to pay for it. Are you crazy? Anyway, Corbyn as Prime Minister, people are, like all these people, all these stop Brexit people, they'd willingly have Jeremy Corbyn as the Prime Minister rather than leave Europe. And like, okay, when when I heard about this GNU, my, my first instinct after sort of laughing and then I was like a little bit angry for a second thinking, oh, this is really out of order and actually undemocratic. I thought, no, let them do it. Let let, let them do it and see, see what happens. Let's have disaster and riots and civil war. So you think Boris loses the confidence vote? On paper, if the only way to stay in the EU is to is for him to lose a confidence vote, he'll lose it. Because they've done everything they can to delay. I was joking the other day, saying like they'll have some like chemical spillage on Parliament Square, so like they won't be able to turn up to the Commons for a few weeks. They'll do like anything the they they'll do they'll do anything they can to sort of delay it and stop it. The Tories will try some dirty, uh, some you know, shady shit. There'll be like a sort of salmonella outbreak in the cafeteria of the Commons. They say, all right, no votes for two weeks. You know, it's something stupid and like just just going to try anything. How 
did we get here, dear listeners? Should we do like a quick little um, explanation of how the EU completely trapped the UK thanks to a, um, a supine Theresa May who capitulated pretty much on every single point of issue? Theresa May, who was a Remainer campaigner at heart on paper before the election you know she was she was telling us to remain she came out voted remain herself why, why have someone who's diametrically opposed to the direction you're going in Ridiculous. the government policy <laughs> we must move in circles <laughs> but it's yeah, easier um, that way she capitulated on everything and that that capitulation amounted to the checkers deal proposal whatever you want to call it the eu said yep yeah, we, we don't 100 percent like what Theresa may has come up with but we can work with that we can move forward on that and it was like, oh yeah, but of course we can't move forward until you get that through your parliament. We're not, we're not going to move forward until Theresa May's deal passes parliament. Yeah, and then it couldn't pass parliament. Yeah, and then the EU said, well, this is the only thing we're going to work with. So you've got to get it through your parliament, knowing that we've already tried to get it through parliament three times. Right? They trapped us. Yeah, they won't work with anything else. They won't make any concessions on anything else. Yeah. And the, I hate the way the, there's a sort of like, if you go on Eurofile Twitter, hashtag FBPE, those idiots, it's constant self-victimization of oh, the media, the, the Eurosceptic media. And it's like, you have to be fucking willfully blind to think that the majority of the UK press, the majority of UK broadcast media are pro-Brexit. You'd have to be insane to believe that. Okay, but you could you could say, well, the biggest, the biggest selling newspaper in the country is pro-Brexit. But then that's like... That's common sense. It's like, oh, if we want to sell more papers, yeah. let's appeal to the majority of people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's simple. It's simple, guys. It's not a conspiracy. They just want to make money. So, of course, you know, more people vote for Brexit. They'll sell more papers. Yeah, but if you take the number of newspapers overall. Yeah, yeah. Predominantly Europhile. Yeah. TV networks. Yeah. Either neutral or Europhile. Mm. There is no outward. There's no overtly Eurosceptic TV news network. Yeah. Other that- than maybe Russia Today. The most of the UK press has been really fawning to the EU in terms of everything the EU does is definitely above board and legit and can't be questioned. And it's like, hold on, they're being dicks at the moment. They know we can't get this through Parliament, yet they're insisting on it. That's a dick move. Yeah, yeah. But you're talking about, um, you know, dozens of networks that are owned by like single numbers of <laughs> organisations. <laughs> so, you know, it's all, it's all very... Uh compartmentalized but going in the same direction but the eu trapped us tom that's the thing people like always forget that however inept and bad at doing deals our own government is we always forget there's there is another side to this equation which is the eu and they they they, they could help us or they could be you know but everyone's even before the referendum everyone was was accepted the reality that either the eu wouldn't give us an easy exit simply because yeah, I, they, yeah. simply because you can say the eu don't want to give us an easy exit because they don't want other countries to look and say oh that was actually quite easy we yeah, might well, do it too we never expected that i look at it from the perspective of the mafia and it's like <laughs> okay if you stop paying the mafia they break your legs you just have to accept it we're going to stop paying the mafia we're going to get our legs broken okay they'll heal eventually so you can- yeah but there's making it difficult and then there's actually just creating an impasse that can't get nobody can get past and just going well what do you want we're, we're digging our heels in on this it's not us being stubborn it's it's like our political system doesn't want to leave <laughs> so there's that as well there that's that's that is causing quite a delay and the thing was like i was feeling a bit sort of d- depressed at all this talk you know like you said have the eu got us trapped have they got us by the balls and yes. like are we willingly like putting our balls 
in the EU's hands as opposed to teabagging the EU, as is, which is the way it should be. And I was feeling really down and depressed, cause, uh, but then I was looking at your... I was looking at the, the sort of programme notes and uh, spoilers, everybody. D- show prep. We do a bit of show prep. DVD here. extras. There are actually like some notes here. The country has taken a filthy turn towards anti-democratic and liberal authoritarianism. But I don't think of Farage. Farage. A Farage-led Brexit party is the cure for that. And that's the f- I saw Farage and I, my eyes lit up and I was like, yeah, I forgot. It was the Brexit party who won the majority of votes in the last EU elections. Who gives a fuck. And who knows what they might pull off at the next general election because they're in the european parliament a fucking that's non-entity the, that, a non-politician that's the problem shit. that's the problem that they, they can't win the um they can't do anything they, they can't win the general election because all their decent mps are all over in europe now so like your local sort of brexit party candidate now has a weird beard yeah, has a weird yeah. eyebrows you've and, seen them like talking to themselves at the library you know in the corner but like you know but outside the, tube stations the, talking about jesus yeah, the, and, the person it should be is over in over in europe at the moment but but what so, annunciata but I, th- I think you know but yeah what party, I wrote there, grassroots we need we needed you know even though like okay another general election that they might say we'll delay brexit because we've got to have a general election before we uh leave <laughs> i might say that and i'll be like oh god another general election but like I, th- I i have enough faith in the british public the great unwashed that eventually less and less people will vote for the Tories, less and less people will vote for labor hopefully we'll go more down the lines of just get us the hell out of europe Nigel Farage, be our saviour. Come, I hope it's come not... riding over the hill on a horse, sword in hand. It's really annoying, right? Trying to explain this position. I think there should be a Brexit party because to get the UK out of the EU, ideally, you would want a Brexit government that has a majority that can vote through withdrawal agreements and it can't be blocked. Like, that's the ideal scenario. But a Farage led Brexit party, I'm going to say no. But who else? Because, like, as soon as Farage steps down as leader, the party, like, loses its power. Like, the same thing happened to UKIP. As soon as he left UKIP, UKIP just imploded. And the same thing would happen to the Brexit party. I think he's popular enough to be Prime Minister. It's like toxic. What do you, what, like why, I held with laughter when people were going on about, oh, Dominic Cummings, oh my God, he he's going he's gonna to bring in Farage. Like, what mm. are you talking about? Domin- Dominic Cummings hates Farage. But, 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 but what sort of signposts have you seen that point toxic where have you seen Barrage. where have you seen them is it things you've just heard him said is it your is it your impression of him listen you live you've in london seen, you've seen him in the flesh you live in london you have europhile facebook friends what all is, of them in other words what is nigel farage famous for in their minds not in your oh, um, standing in front standing in front of a poster which of, had what on it which had loads of um uh, a re- swarm of something refugees slash immigrants coming <laughs> coming across um some border in eastern europe there was a picture of them and what was it a mimic huge, of? huge line of all these like fighting age men just in a line going over the horizon and what was it Thousands. based on i don't know nazi propaganda <laughs> but that i i don't know imagine if i just uh, landed on the planet that day it very heavily and resembled a I, nazi yeah poster. but tom if i just landed on the planet that day and I'd never seen that Nazi propaganda poster. I'd yeah. just take that poster at face value for what it was. Who, the whole thing about, oh, it looks like a poster, I don't understand. But why wasn't that label what, what, Project what, Fear? What was this Nazi propaganda? Where's that come from? I think you've been reading The Guardian too much. It heavily resembled the poster. Like, the actual shape of the swarm. You know how it had, like, a kind of meandering... Yeah. <laughs> two bends in it. Yeah. There was a Nazi poster. Pretty yeah. sure it was a Nazi one. Yeah. Of, like, the threat of Jews. Right. And it was like, it had almost the exact same shape, like the queue. Going over a hill. 
like a queue of people going over two bends it's pretty hard not to make it point look like being that, it yeah. was a it was a nasty piece of propaganda it was divisive it was the same day that joe cox was killed that came well, out that poster the you've got same that as well. day you've got that as well that thomas mayor he walked out of his front door he was just on his way to get a lottery ticket and some milk he saw that poster and he just like right i've got to fucking kill my local mp Britain first yeah it's, it's plain as day it's plain as day but he's toxic no, he's we not. both know people who hate Nigel Farage. Yeah, but hatred is a toxic thing in itself. It's like, they're so uninformed, some people. They have an opinion of people because they've been told what to think of them rather than actually... If you tell someone that someone's a racist, you subconsciously give yourself permission to stop listening to that person that you've been told is a racist. If you're an idiot. You'll just filter it out. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's, it, Did you see that Guardian article? Um, it was basically saying Europhiles... Like, between Europhiles and Eurosceptics, Europhiles are heavily ideological, unreasonable, irrational. What is that? I can't... It's, the text is really small. Oh, is it Owen Jones? That's not good. That's not good. Owen Jones attacked in the street. That's not... This is what I'm saying, man. Like, you uh, you sort of uh, undercut me by reading the show prep notes I wrote about how I was saying, like, the UK politics... Well, I mean, it's not even just UK politics. Western politics in general. Taking a really nasty, illiberal, authoritarian turn... I mean, like, even just the way Europhile MPs are just talking, like, oh, yes, this, we're going to have a no-confidence vote, and we're just going to set up a Remain cabinet. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 stop. You you were the ones talking about the need for a public mandate yesterday. What the fuck is going on here? It's like, they just don't give a fuck. I've noticed that um, our state has become quite enamoured with Chinese authoritarianism over the years, primarily based on the idea that... Um, the Chinese get things done very quickly. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, of course they do. They've got fucking slave labour. Notice how our uh, politicians are completely silent on Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Hello, like, we used to run that territory. There, there, there's, I've seen pictures. I've seen video and pictures of like them like waving um, like the Union Jack and like waving the old Hong Kong flag, you know, like in the... And know. the American flag. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. These yeah. are still important symbols to people outside of the West. In, in the West, the self-flagellating, self-hating West. They appealed for calm and China went, shut the fuck up! And we're like, sorry! That's <laughs> <laughs> because China owns everything. Found out one of our railway lines is owned by like an Italian, uh, by the Italian government. And it's like, what? Italy's so fucked up right now. Their economy's like in the tatters and they own our railway. It's like, what? What the fuck's happened to the UK? The French, oh, the French, the French own most of the power stations, the nuclear power stations. They build them as well. Yeah, EDF. Our country is becoming a shithole. Not, and it's because of the political class. It's, it's because oh, of it's the Caroline Lucases, the Boris Johnsons. It's not all bad. It's got some like really nice bits. You go down Marylebone High Street. It's lovely. Some great shops. Seriously. Everything great about the UK the dates top, back to the Victorian era. Yeah, but like at, at at the very top level, things aren't stagnant. Things aren't slow. Things are, you know, City of London, things are pumping. There's millions of pounds. There's like people of every nationality committing crimes and every level. Yeah, lots of blood money coming in and out. You know, it's there's a lot of things going. You know, it's it is very vibrant. It's 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 a you know, a lot of things happen in London economically. It is the powerhouse of the UK. You go out of London, uh, the, 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 the change is very dramatic and it's not getting any better. They're trying to improve it with better rail links. Um. Yeah, but hey, just, oh God, even that, even that is just a sign of what a clownish country this is. They reckon it's cost... Um, HS2 50, exists. 59, it's cost like minimum 59 billion so far, something ridiculous. It costs less money to get someone on the moon. And do you know why it exists? So Londoners can get the fuck out of Bristol 20 minutes quicker. 
Oh, what it is, it's it's going it, to like shorten the time to Birmingham by 20 minutes. Sorry, yeah, not Bristol, Birmingham. Sorry, Bristolia. I like Bristolians, uh, but, 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 but what will Londoners probably, hate everyone. What will happen, they'll actually try and make, if the trains get faster, they'll try and make those cities basically like commuter cities to like, on a commuter hub further in. But like... To into London? Yeah. All right, so um, I think the uh, mainstream narrative here is that the ERG has fucked the country, the hardcore Brexiteers, the back, Tory backbenchers. And it's like, okay, I definitely would apportion some blame to the ERG. Like, they were definitely uncompromising. Who was that? Nick Nick, someone? Nick Bryan? What was his name? The Tory MP who was like, I, my, I've never seen my party so unwilling to compromise and I'm resigning. And the guy was like, oh, Nick, Nick, don't go. Nick, Nick Bowles? Nick Bowles, was it? But you can't blame the ERG entirely, though. The ultra-Remainers, the hardcore Remainers, they've got some share of the blame here as well. Like, Boris, for all his faults, he did finally realise, oh, okay, I see what the EU's done here. It's either Theresa May's deal, or it's no deal. Like, that's it. Those are the only two possible outcomes. Like, by March of this year, those were the only two possible outcomes. And you remember Boris actually voted for Theresa May's deal the third time? Famously didn't vote for it the first two times and then did the third time. I think that's, like, Boris has a learning curve to him. It was because, like, the third time was, like, sort of last chance saloon. So they all pretty much had to save the government sort of thing. Yeah, Burko was like, oh, there's a historical precedent here. Burko. You can't, You can't just come back with the same piece of legislation over and over again fair enough mm. right fair Burko, enough. that's another little shit but all these people are saying like stopping the chance of no deal they, they want to stop brexit completely they'd be happy to reverse you know oh yeah all of this is just like this is the only route to remain and i think europhiles i think you're right about like they're still in denial yeah they won't accept that they painted themselves they and the erg painted themselves into a corner where it's either deal or no deal that's it you know by legal default we leave on October 31st. Oh, well, Parliament voted against no deal. It's like, yeah, but on the exact same day, they also voted against having a second referendum. So if like, if you can hold that vote up as why we can't have no deal, why can't we also hold up those votes as, those indicative votes as why we can't have a second referendum? Because all of this is just to get to remain. It's just window dressing. Let's just be honest. Like um, the leader of the Liberal Democrats, she's another one who's come out and said, I'll do everything, you know, Everything in my power to stop Brexit. It's like all these people doing everything in their power to, to stop Brexit. They only need like five of them to like form a megazord. <laughs> you know what I mean? And combine their powers. What's Joe Swinson on the well, head? That, well, that's, that's what they're basically trying to do, isn't it? They're trying to make like mm-hmm. a stop Brexit megazord. They're trying to get like four or five leaders to come together, arms and legs and body, and they'll combine their powers and their combined powers would be enough to turn over the parliament but it's such a farce because it's such an obvious false pretense they don't want a second referendum they want remain and i honestly think there's a naivety on the europhile side here of like if they did if caroline lucas got her wish got her remain all female cabinet (laughs) the second referendum that would fly out of the window immediately and uh, do you remember like the europhiles were making an argument about how uh, you really shouldn't ever make big decisions via a national referendum. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a parliamentary democracy to take care of these things. As soon as Caroline Lucas got her cabinet, that's the argument. They would, the argument would switch to that immediately. Yeah. Every Europhile would back it because they backed it already. Yeah. There'd be no reason to not back it now even when you backed it, like, whatever, 18 months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, if she was Prime Minister, things would take a lot longer to do because they'd close Parliament for, like, 
four days a week to save electricity. It'll only be open yeah. like you know one day a week. So oh, it take a lot stop- more longer to get business done. We've got to stop this debate because Sharon needs a bit of breastfeeding time. Yeah, we'd Fuck like. Sake. Well, they're so naughty and evil, and like like you know they do those things where they do the drug swaps of the toilet seats in the parliament, and they're always like you know glowing purple under UV with all the coke and i've seen it in the it's true it's in the papers then there was involved in there was everyone seemed to have conveniently forgotten the you know the expenses scandal as well they should have all been bloody sacked for that too only a decade ago you know what i mean but remainers i'm sorry you've got to stop this pity party we've been victimized we've been disenfranchised no you haven't you've had tons of opportunities to stop brexit gina miller gifted you an opportunity which i thought was legit they didn't take it though did they no they had an opportunity at the general election. They could have elected the Lib Dems and stopped Brexit, and they didn't. Yeah, I'm just looking at this grief cycle thing again. And <laughs> You're offering some therapy tips here, Tim. We need to be providing them emotional support. According to this graph, we need to be providing them emotional support at the moment. Well, um, I'm offering tough love. You had opportunities to stop Brexit. The, the next one on the cycle is depression. So that's like overwhelmed, helplessness, hostility, flight. So we've not got gotten to open hostility yet uh, or flights where they'll actually like maybe a lot of them will actually resign and leave on the 31st the last the fight you have to go through that depression though before the final one of the cycle which is ex- what the acceptance acceptance which is exploring options new plan in place moving on so i don't think this, but, they're, um, but they're so far back from that they're still in the bargaining bit you know a lot of them are not even, trying to bargain anymore uh, some of them are in stage two which is anger they're talking about just taking over Parliament. Frust- yeah, frustration. That's not bargaining. Irritation, anxiety. Yes. Bargaining was when they were talking about soft Brexit. Struggling and to find And they voted meaning. against it. Why did you vote against soft Brexit if you, you know, if you were compromising on soft Brexit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, every single step Parliament has taken on this has been a misstep. They fucked it up. And I was like, oh, we, we can't, we have to call it a people's vote. Because we shat all over the idea of a second referendum, and now we're offering the public a second referendum, so we can't call it that. It's like proper in the thick of it level incompetent. But like I said, they're going to try anything to stop Brexit because they are still on stage two or three of the grief cycle. They will literally try anything. Like I can imagine on the 30th, Anasubri will sort of self-immolate in the EU flag, (laughs) Parliament Square. Alright ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to us Babylon about nothing. Well the fun thing about this subject is uh, hopefully in a couple of months it'll, it'll all be over, we can talk about something else. <laughs> Bread lines and... <laughs> Godzilla attacking, plays of locusts. Cats sleeping with dogs. <laughs> Rain and blood. Don't forget to uh, like us on SoundCloud, follow us on Facebook, Ill-Informed Insight is the name. My thanks to Tim for joining me. Thanks Tom. See you next time. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.